Welcome, 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 welcome everyone to the first Russell Wars podcast. Uh, this will be the People's Podcast, the Wrestling Fans Podcast. Uh, very excited to bring it to you. Um, just uh, I'm a regular listener to the to the regular podcast universe, all of the the circuit, if you will. And um, I just found myself being really, really dissatisfied with a lot of the podcasts that are out there. Um, both the, the pretty much all I don't really listen to any of the fan ones, which is funny because we are a fan one. Um, I listen to, you know, most of the quote-unquote professional podcasts, people who actually get fucking paid to do this and to put out this shitty fucking product that they put out that is uh, insulting to any real knowledgeable fan who's into it. A lot of them, it really feels like they kind of feel like you should be grateful that they took the time to sit down and talk about this thing called pro wrestling and uh, just throw something out there that... uh, Everybody should just be glad that anybody's putting out any sort of a product in relating to pro wrestling, and that's fucking bullshit. Um, it's not it's not that way. It's flipped around. You shouldn't be grateful that I'm sitting here putting out this product. I'm great, grateful for you guys that you guys choose to listen to my podcast, choose to be involved in pro wrestling and to take it seriously and to love it like I do. So uh, we're going to try to bring the most in-depth uh, knowledge base, the most in-depth uh, detailed ideas for what for what we're trying to talk about so far too often in the the examples that i have of what these problems i have with these podcasts are is people get paid for to do this but they have it seems like no knowledge base like they just don't fucking care like these guys are using they're trying to use chris jericho's talk segment is what they called it as something to illustrate a point that they were making but they couldn't fucking remember what the name of the fucking show was. It's the highlight reel. The fucking highlight reel. Like, it's not that long ago that it happened. But don't sit there, they're talking to someone else like they're an idiot. A fan called in or whatever. And they can't even remember the name of the fucking show. Like, come on. They were talking about, oh, uh, when did, did Goldust and Stardust have their match? No, that never happened. Did it happen? No, 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 they never did it. Yeah, they did. This was two fucking weeks after Fastlane. The match happened two fucking weeks ago. Get fucking real. Like, is your knowledge base that low? Like, do you not care so much? You don't remember? You're using this to illustrate a point. So if you're talking about your show, you don't remember something that happened two fucking weeks ago? Are you serious? And these are people who get paid for this. Um, now, you know, bear with me. I know that match was fucking awful. But, you know, that's all the more reason to remember it. To be fair, also, I didn't actually feel that that match was that awful. It was just a, a very bad night for everybody involved on Fastlane as far as the crowd reaction and uh, that sort of thing. Uh, a lot of the um, the writer-based ones, first of all, the professionals, you know, Steve Austin, Chris Jericho, uh, Jim Cornette, even though I have my issues with Cornette's podcast sometimes, uh, they're, all, they're all fine for the most part about the way they conduct themselves, but a lot of the uh, so-called writers or industry professionals who cover wrestling like just it's like they make a big show out of driving into the ground how many insider terms that they know like I swear this one I was listening to the other day they might have used the term heel about 15 fucking times in the course of 30 minutes oh that was such a heel move you're such a heel I'm such a heel I'm a heel of the show you're such a heel that was such a heel thing to do okay you know what the word fucking heel means no one gives a fuck Shut the fuck up. Fuck, man. We're not going to insult you guys like that. We're not going to sit here and be overly smarmy on this show. And uh, we're not. We're not, definitely not the uh, the cool kids in 8th grade leaning against the bike racks is what these guys fucking act like because, goodness forbid, someone semi-professional uh, involves themselves with pro wrestling. Um, it's not going to be any of that on here. Uh, me and everybody who I have on has a deep knowledge base. Uh, we're all excited to be here. We're all... Uh, excited to talk about wrestling the way the show is going to work most of the time is uh for one the opening is not going to be as long as it is right now most of the time uh, i'm going to get out of the way and let my guests get on here and we'll bounce back and forth and uh do what we do um but we'll have a guest uh we're going to open up always top stories of pro wrestling uh that's going on currently we're gonna start off with you know what we took from raw what we took from the last week of action and we're talking about that second half of the podcast will always be dedicated to whatever my guest specializes in. I know a lot of really interesting people. 
Uh, I know a guy who is a current professional wrestler and professional bodybuilder. I know a guy who is a former pro wrestler. Um, I know a guy who is a an archaeologist. I know a guy who is a film student, graduated with a degree in film. I know a guy who's a history professor. We're going to have all these people on here. We're going to get their perspectives on pro wrestling, and then we're going to move on into their area. I'll talk about films, mostly comic book films one week. I'll talk about what archaeology is like and what it's like to go through that school and what that world entails. Um, we'll do a, a really history-focused podcast one time. Anybody who knows me knows I'm very into ancient history, mostly uh, ancient warfare. Um, Romans, Greeks, Sparta, medieval times, all of that stuff. I'm going to leave it a very generalized. I'm, <laughs> my buddy and myself in another situation would kill me for listening to me hear those say those terms, but uh, I'm just going to leave it very general terms for now until we get into some real detail later with that guy. Um, so that's what it'll be, and I'll advertise ahead of time. Uh, what we'll have on the next show, for instance, on our next show after the one you're listening to, we're going to have um, our resident fellow NFL expert on, and he and I are going to do a NFL draft preview uh, after we do the wrestling portion of the podcast. So that'll be cool, and hopefully you guys will tune into that. For today, I have a guy who will be my regular co-host, um, very well respected. He has his own website where he reviews wrestling shows and matches. He has reviewed over, I think he said 5,000, 50,000 shows, matches. Um, very successful site. And, I mean, the guy's very successful in general. I mean, how do you – that's a live in the dream that he's a guy who gets paid to watch wrestling, basically. Uh, KB from kbswrestlingreviews.com uh, will be a regular guest on here, and he is my guest for the first show. So we are going to bring him on now, and uh, – we're going to go over this week's show. How we doing, KB? Uh, we're not doing bad. We got pro wrestling talk, and you can't beat that. Decent, decent open. How you feel about that open? Uh, very good. Very, uh, very not quite ranty, but um, yeah, yeah, it, it gets the point across. You got to sound determined. I hope. I can I can understand people forgetting uh, gold dust against uh, stardust that quickly, but come on, like you said, it was two weeks ago. I can't forgive it. I'm 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 unforgiving. I'm a very detail-oriented person. That's that's <laughs> when I'm passionate about something. It's all about the details. So, how many matches before we go into everything? I, I want to because I know I saw the stat on your Twitter, um, KB's reviews. Uh, how many matches and how many shows? Uh, show show shows is probably up over. Uh, it's probably close to. I'd go with probably 2,500, 3,000 full shows. Probably over 50,000 matches now. Um, just uh, dating back, I've got shows back from nineteen, I think fifty four, dating up to uh, last uh, two days ago's Impact. So, so, to basically any listeners out there that are wondering about uh, credentials, <gasps> this guy's Russ watched a fuck ton of wrestling, basically a, a metric fuck ton. Uh, that's a measurement that we use in my line of work, uh, the pet store industry. A metric fuck ton is how much wrestling this guy has watched. So, while neither one of us are professionals per se. He's watched a shit ton of wrestling. Um, and so have I. So, are you ready to uh, jump into some 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 current events, sir? Yeah, yes, sir. All right. Anytime. We're going to start off at the top with uh, AJ Lee retiring a couple weeks ago. Um, we've had some people say he knows he's going to leave some great hole in the, in the roster. She's one of the all-time greats. She's this and she's that. There's various uh, opinions on why it is that she retired, um, what happened there. How do you feel, first of all, about her her all-time ranking or her where she stands in the big picture? She reminds me of a lot of uh, of Mickey James, how she j how Mickey comes along right after uh, Trish and Lita leave. And the thing is, yeah, she's good, but when you consider who she had around her, she's not really that great. I mean, you look back last year at the feud she had with Paige, the matches were good, but people were talking about them like they were the best Divas matches ever. Yeah, yeah. It's more along the lines of they were the best Divas matches in years because we're living in the age of the Bellas. Mm -hmm. Where, yeah, AJ and Paige are good, but AJ, was, AJ got over in 2012 when she was the focal point of the show, and since then she's just been the crazy chick that skips around and has Tamina 
or had yeah, to meet was, up. That was kind of my my time. complaint about AJ. I mean, once the once the character was established and became popular, it kind of seemed like for the last year or so she was kind of spinning her wheels. Like there really was no direction, or you know, it, it kind of seemed like they were kind of doing a punk thing with her, where she had her little her promo where she was talking about how they were all fake and she was a real wrestler and this that and the other. But then it just seemed like there was wasn't wasn't really any follow up on it. There wasn't really. It just kind of went away after that, or she'd have some bullshit match with the Bellas and lose, or something like that. So, I, I can agree with you on that. Um, as far as there being a hole left on the roster, how do you how do you feel about that? As far as the um, as far as with with the Divas division goes, right now after the events of this past week, I don't know who I'm supposed to cheer for uh, for the yeah. Divas. Do they have you any faces besides <laughs> Paige now? I don't and, understand. And Paige, Paige is off to film a movie that 87 people and 23 of them not named McMahon might see. Uh, so that leaves you with, I guess, Emma, who I don't remember winning a match in the last year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you got Alicia, uh, threw a fit on SmackDown, which is always a sign of a heel turn. Natalia doesn't know if she's a face or a heel. She's a, uh, uh, she's bad when she's with yeah, the tag yeah, yeah. It's kind of like and... she's, a, she's a face when she wrestles by herself, but she's a yeah. heel manager when she's with Tyson and Cesaro. Well, she's wrestled the same match since the day she got to WWE. I've never seen her mix a thing up. Um, then you have the Bellas, who are, I'm convinced, the spawn of Satan. Uh, Cameron, who is the spawn of the spawn of Satan. Um, just Summer Rae, maybe? Assuming she doesn't turn on uh, turn on Mizdow this Monday, yeah. There's just there's no one there to cheer for. As far as how I feel, um, I say what what hole in what division? It's not like AJ and her matches with the rest of the heels on the roster were lighting the fucking world on fire. It's the fucking divas. Who gives a shit? Like, it wasn't. If she was down in NXT, for instance, and we're having. Yeah, you know, twenty minute, fifteen minute mid card, serious business matches, and she's down there doing work. Then I could see an argument for there's a hole in the roster. Just like we're gonna have this conversation when um, Charlotte comes up to the main roster. We're gonna have this conversation when Sasha Banks comes up to the main roster. Who's gonna fill those holes? Because that will be a hole left on the card. But the way the treated divas are treated on Raw, anybody really can be thrown into that segment especially if they're from the Total Divas show and uh, the people who run Raw are going to be fine with it. So I don't really I don't really feel that there feel that there is a hole to to be honest. Um, like you said as long as Total Divas is around cuz Total Divas means way more than that butterfly belt. Oh yeah. Just, oh yeah. That's that's the focal point of the division and it has been for the last two and a half years I think the show has been on. Well, and and you know what? I, and I've come around on this, and I've tried to explain this to certain people. I'm actually almost fine with that, because Total Divas is going to bring in the revenue that pays for my precious WWE Network, that pays for my precious WWE NXT, that pays for me being able to watch pay-per-views for $10 a month instead of $55 a month. That People don't realize that. Like, the bigger picture, like Raw and Total Divas and the way they do things up on that part of the roster, not all of that is always going to be for you. Like, a lot of that, yeah, it is vanilla, and it is for everybody, so that they can hit the biggest demographic market that, that they can hit, and make the most money that they can make, and then they can pump money into things that are more specialized, for a more specialized audience, for people like me, people like you, people who like NXT, people who like, you know, the old school stuff, the in-depth documentaries. That's what that's for. So if they want to make... Total Divas, the the focus of that brand, of that division on Raw and SmackDown, and keep NXT as a women's wrestling segment, then hell, go for it. Shit. If one gets the other, that's fine. Yeah, just, as long as they, I'm fine with them as long as they keep, as long as they cut away from those, like, two-minute matches. Because there was a stretch there about a year ago where if a Divas match got two, got two minutes, it was a miracle. Yeah. That was a, that was the biggest waste of time. It it was clear they were just filling space and saying, "Hey, look, we've got divas matches." Yeah. Now, at least some of the matches, they're okay. They're not. I mean, they're not going to blow the roof off the place. But if you give them seven minutes or so, most of the time, they're not bad. You know. Come <laughs> like, on, they're not that's bad. How, <laughs> well, here here's the stat that I found the other day for something I was for an article I was putting together. If I remember right, in t um, other than Stephanie and Brie last year, 
the last time a Divas match, a one-on-one Divas match, got more than 10 minutes on pay-per-view was Unforgiven 2006. They are... 10 minutes for a Divas match happens once on pay-per-view in nine years. Almost nine years. Well, that is that is a, a remarkable stretch of time to not even give them 10 minutes. And they're expected to be any kind... They have no time to practice or anything or develop. Well, you have, you have half and half. There would be people like you that would say, what the hell, they only got 10 minutes. And then there's other people who would say this Divas match can't be over fast enough. So, true. like I said, as long as they beget uh, a real wrestling show a real Divas wrestling division down there on NXT. That's that's f- fine enough with me. Um, speaking of bad and not that bad, what would be bad is what we thought at the beginning of the week. There were reports surfacing that Daniel Bryan's neck injury and his nerve damage had resurfaced, and there was very real questions about his career to the point where we were discussing, like, hey, this, this, uh, this might be over with. And then, as the dirt sheet reports will do we then downgraded it to oh well he has a concussion he he got diagnosed with a concussion and then he's coming back to america because he has a concussion now today report comes out wwe has refuted this doesn't have a concussion he's just quote unquote banged up um whatever that's supposed to mean uh so what what do we make of it are we still are we still because i remember the beginning of the week we were we were Alarm nine, you know, we were we were critical mass here, thinking maybe this was it, and you know, very upset because I very much enjoy Daniel Bryan's work. Um, now we're just talking about being banged up. So what what reading through the tea leaves? What do you what do you think of the situation? I think the the minute that you have a guy coming back from a neck injury that put him out of action for nine months, and he's on top of a ladder headbutting Dolph Ziggler at WrestleMania, you've got for one thing, you you need to fire whoever approved letting him do that. That's uh, you don't mess with neck injuries. If you look at Austin and Angle and Edge and Benoit and all those people that had to have that major neck surgery, that will mess you up for life. I mean, oh. Edge re- Edge retired, Austin retired, but um, as far as this week goes, if you watch SmackDown, it was very clear they were protecting him and his neck. The biggest thing he does in his tag match after being on the apron for most of it, he does the backflip out of the corner and a Hurricane Rana. I don't remember anyone ever getting a single shot in on him in that I, whole match. The thing is, too, you make those comparisons, but it's actually very comparable also to, um, for any of our football guys out there, Peyton Manning, who had mm. to step away from the game for damn near, what was it, two years, um, due to the same thing, uh, an, an impingement and his arm numbness in his arm, his, his uh, nerve atrophied, and he had to wait for it to get the surgery to get to correct the impingement and then uh, have it grow back. So, and nerve grows about an inch a month. And this is kind of the deal that Brian O'Brien was facing. I heard him on Jericho's podcast talking about this. The situation that he was facing, and um, he was trying to look for other alternate methods to come back. Um, and so he wouldn't have to stay out for 18, 24, 28 months, you know, whatever it could take. And he went to uh, the Arizona Cardinals. It was a physical, uh, a physical therapist on the Arizona Cardinals staff that uh, helped Carson Palmer, who was having issues with uh, strength in his arm, numbness in his arm. And um, he was able to use an alternate method and get his strength back without invasive surgery. And to me, it just sounded like a like a quick fix, like a temporary thing. Like there was just a right. big chance of this coming back to bother him and never getting better. And he was going to eventually have to take off the years anyway. Um, and that's, so that's what I was really afraid of at the beginning of the week. But now it's all kind of very cloudy what exactly is is going on with him so i guess we'll just have to wait and see i hope hopefully we can count on the uh inconsistencies and poor work of the journalism on a lot of the uh uh internet wrestling news websites um and the reports at the beginning of the week were a little bit over dramatic and hopefully the what the wwe has to say about it and I mean, the proof will be in the pudding in the next couple of weeks when we see him on Raw or not, when we see him at Stream Rules or not, and the way that they work the matches. Um, I'd say if he drops that belt back to Barrett, that's probably a pretty big sign. It would be disappointing for Daniel Bryan fans and for the Intercontinental Championship itself. Which, I don't know how long he can handle going back to Barrett to have him lose five matches in a row, then win one, and well, claims... That's a, that's we'll a, that's do a whole, a whole other... fucking podcast on oh, that yeah. someday. Um, 
there's a long history there. So. Moving on to the to the last week that that just occurred in wrestling. Um, what'd you what'd you take from Raw or London or London Raw? Well, you'll like this one. Uh, I took something from the primetime players. I know you're a fan of theirs. Um, <laughs> the primetime players, they've been around for a couple of years now, and they really haven't done much. Their most famous moment is their man- is their former manager making a reference to something that happened years before then. Uh, but ne- and they're just they've just been a generic power and speed tag team with Titus O'Neil being good and Darren Young being incredibly generic. Uh, but now they've got this thing where they're insulting other tag teams, yeah. which those little like minute long vignettes have. Been... Oh, you mean showing personality and character development? You mean fucking that? That's amazing how that'll fucking work and like breathe some life into an act. Oh yeah. Now I mean they haven't. I don't think they've actually had a match since they started doing this. They because... haven't. Because at the end of the day, they're still going to be the primetime players in the ring. But it gives you something to care about. There is one thing that sets these guys apart now. And it's so much, it's such a relief just to see that. It's one thing that Russo would ever get right. There was no such thing as creative has nothing for you under his watch. have something shitty and that would ruin your life for you, but they have something for you. Uh, I've been watching the old Nitros under his watch. Believe me, I know. (laughs) Chavo Guerrero Jr. selling Amway products. Yes. If you don't remember that one. I don't. Uh, I choose to uh, drop things. To be honest, small tangent here, I uh, I kind of quit WCW right when the logo changed. Um, that was about six months before yeah, Russo took over. Yeah, it was, I, I was done from there. Um, so I, I didn't stuck really it out to the much bitter of, end. Much of the Russo-verse. I decided to go back and just for chits and gigs, go back and wrestle. I didn't realize Sin, WCW Sin, their last pay-per-view, was so close to when the company got sold. It was like weeks, wasn't it? Uh, it was a little bit more than that. Uh, let's see, Sin was, Sin was in, yeah, Sin yeah. would have been in March. It was in March, and, and Mania's in April, so. The comp- the, the, they announced the sale March 26th on, uh, yeah. on Raw. So, so, and I think it went like three days earlier. I think it was, yeah. I think it went on the Friday and they announced it Monday. Um, but yeah, uh, at one point, Russo, they had a battle royal, and Chavo won. He said he was going to be given an opportunity. The, ne- uh, the next Nitro, they said the opportunity around here is selling Amway products. And for about three weeks, Chavo Guerrero carried around a briefcase and sold Amway products to wrestlers. Pretty that was, sweet. That was his gimmick. So what we can say is that the primetime players definitely uh, have a better situation going on for them. Uh I have to do. We have to do my weekly. I decided to do this because it does happen every week. There is at least one segment every week on Raw that I fall asleep during. Um, two weeks ago, it was the Diva segment that went through a commercial. This week, it was the Rollins and Kane like rolling around on the ground. Is he or isn't he? And we all fucking knew he would. Please stop. Stop wasting time. Why the fuck does Raw have to be three hours? God damn it! Like that was pretty much the entire attitude of the segment with me. Um, but the three-hour Raws goes back to what I talked about earlier. I am, They could put Raw on for three hours and do nothing but segments like that as long as it makes enough money to fund NXT and to fund my $10 pay-per-views. I'm fine with that. The The means justify the ends. Uh, the thing I took away was I really don't get... They did the double stipulation thing, um, and then Orton talks about how you know, your greatest asset is the authority, and and they always interfere on your behalf, and that's the only way you've been able to beat me. So I'm going to pick a stipulation to put a cage around the ring. I mean, it's a cage with no roof, and people can still totally climb over it, and it's happened like fucking every cage match ever, but this is what's going to trap you in there. God damn it, sorry, Seth Rollins. I know, I know, I know that Hell in a Cell is its own pay-per-view, which is fucking criminal in and of itself but wouldn't that have been the way to go with this i mean don't at least i know people still interfere in it i'm i'm waiting for some fucking dipshit on uh twitter or somebody to jump on there and be like oh people still interfere in the hell in the cell you're wrong i fucking know that but if the auspices of what you're trying to get across is i'm going to pick a stipulation where no one can interfere and help you shouldn't it at least have the appearance of that being a logical choice like you know a cage with a fucking roof on it that is where i would go with that um i don't get it i think it's pretty clear where where this is all going um what'd you think of that segment and what that choice 
one day I want someone to say, the stipulation for this match is you win if your name is Randy. Or something just just to throw a whole wrench into the thing. And then you say the real stipulation. Because that would actually show some thinking during the segment. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Uh, a cage match, yeah. it's Cage matches, I don't remember the last time we had a good regular cage match. There's been a couple good uh, ones on SmackDown. Triple H and Lesnar was really good at Extreme Rules uh, last year? Um, Two years. No, Two years year before that. Year before that. Um, that was good. And the, the blow-off to the Jericho-Wyatt program last year on Raw, the cage match, was very good as well. Oh, okay, not I'll... only that, but uh, Brian, and, Brian and Wyatt against somebody uh, on Raw as well. When, you know, when Brian revealed that he had just snaked Wyatt into getting in the cage and he yeah. jumped him. That was, he was part of the Wyatt family. The Usos, I believe. Yeah, that was excellent as well. Uh, so another... Okay, so I'll recant that. I don't remember the last time we had a good pay-per-view cage match. If you have to go back two years, yeah, yeah. that's quite a while. Cause, again, I consider the cell and cages different. It's mm-hmm. just such a different dynamic. But, um, yeah, the, banning the RKO... It's it's clear they're setting up the punt, but I do not believe. Yeah, that was that fucking stupid too. Like what? <laughs> like it's not. He's had another finisher. Like I, that's okay. his. That's like that's like his extreme finisher, which would be appropriate. It's like the super special move if yeah. you uh, played was it pro wrestling fire or something. Yeah. The Japanese game. Anyway, that's a different story entirely. Again, uh, you've got um, just banning the RKO. It just that's the best they've got is you're going to put a crazy man inside a cage and, oh, he can't use that one move. Oh, shut him right. Shut him down. Shut it down. Well, I mean, I, I get it. Yeah. I get the, I get the, I get what you're going for here. Yeah. It's, it's just, that's the best you've got. You can't come up with, I, I don't know why we needed two stipulations, but that's probably just WWE trying to be cute with it well, because there's, there's a fucking pay-per-view where there's like three hell in a cell matches. So why not? <laughs> This is true. They don't usually use logic most of the time. Let's move on to our baby and everybody else's. Oh, yes. NXT. Goddamn, I love NXT. It's just so fucking good. I don't know it's... what else to say about it. We'll probably go into a more in-depth explanation of why. And, and you know what? Saying something is good is subjective. There most likely is people out there um, who like Raw, SmackDown, whatever, better. Um, but NXT is going to appeal to somebody... Like me, like you, like a lot of the, um, you know, 18 to 30 male demographic because it's a pure wrestling show. It's a pure wrestling-based show. It's very simplistic. There's not a lot of gaga. There's not a lot of silly stuff on there. Um, People are allowed to work. Segments are kept short and simple. Um, It's all about the belts. I mean, there's there's personal issues worked in there as well. Um, But besides that, it's pretty much about wrestling and a wrestling-based show, and people are going to people who are in that age group who appreciate that sort of thing uh male demographic are really gonna love it and they're just gonna like it better and it's focused towards them i don't know if a lot of people caught on to this triple h came out and said like this is meant to be developing into its own brand and its own specific thing the wwe understands that people who are on the internet a lot and who are internet savvy and who will pay for an internet-based product are gonna come looking for this product uh it's in a way basically straight away shouting out the IWC like he understands that this is going to be the IWC's baby that um that's another reason why they're bringing in now they're starting to bring in mixed with the new guys they're bringing in a lot of the top indie talent because this is supposed to be like an indie federation on steroids basically it's where we're headed with this which is fucking great I mean you get because a lot of my complaints with a lot of the indie shows and, and Ring of Honor for that matter and we'll get into I'll probably have a Ring of Honor based episode where I can discuss this with people who are really in love with and um, knowledgeable with the Ring of Honor product but it's it's you can see the guys they have an understanding of what they're trying to do they have an understanding of uh, how to execute a ton of moves how to execute them safely how to get through matches how to make stuff pop and be entertaining but nothing ever has any weight behind it Everything happens, bing, bam, boom, so fast, all the time, going, 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 no selling, um, just uh, crazy things back and forth that it kind of takes a lot of the weight uh, away, away from the matches and the drama away from matches and that you get to a point where it, it kind of feels like every match is the same. 
Now you take these guys from that environment, you put them in a WWE environment where they're taught, you know, how to pace a little bit better, how to use psychology a little bit better, how to put stuff where it's supposed to be in a match a little bit better, and you come with some really excellent stuff. I mean, pretty much all of the match of the year candidates, a large portion of the match of the year candidates have come from, you know, seemingly really random pairings. You get a fairly fresh rookie and a and a WWE mid carter. I mean, two years ago we couldn't stop talking about Jack Swagger against Sami Zayn. Um, from the early days of the of the NXT show when it moved down to full sale, uh, so that's what you what's what you get with that, and um, that's why this is going to be really good. They keep on recruiting all the really stellar indie talent, the Ring of Honor guys, and um, putting them in the WWE system and helping them pace out their stuff a little bit better. It's just going to keep growing and getting better and better, and that's who they're focusing this towards. That given, now we got to move on to this week's episode in a very polarizing segment the Dana Brooke debut segment please tell me what you think first of all girlfriend you gotta fucking do something with those eyebrows cause goddamn, um, that shit was crazy she had this incredible body had all these incredible moves and then uh, her eyebrows just looked fucking insane um, by the way by the way I'm flexing my bicep right now in honor of Donna Brooke, Dana Brooke doing some bicep flexing gotta flex the bicep what do you think? Well, um, one quick minor note. I believe you meant Cesaro and Zayn, not Swagger and Zayn. No, 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 no. Swagger and Zayn had an insane I remember, match. I, re- I, remember, I remember the match. Around remember, the same time. It was fucking amazing. I mean, I obviously. Match. I, I just remember liking the Cesaro, Cesaro match gets, the, gets, the, gets all the praise for it. Um, anyway, okay, as for, uh, I keep wanting to call her Dana Barrett from Ghostbusters, but that's a different story. Um, I say that too much. Uh. The first thing that, that popped into my head was, yeah, it wasn't the best debut match ever, but I remember back in um, 2006, uh, a guy debuted on ECW on Sci-Fi and had the biggest disaster that I have ever seen, and his name was Kofi Kingston. Now, the next week... Was it that bad? It was awful. Huh. Now, now, the next week, he came back and wrestled a Kofi Kingston match, and everybody forgot about the match he had the previous week. So, it's one match, it was like two minutes and four seconds long. How bad can you, you can't predict a career based on two minutes and four seconds. I mean, if you remember back, Charlotte was terrible when she started, Sasha Banks was terrible when she started, now they're the darlings of NXT. She's had one match. She's got, She's clearly got something with, the, she, she knows how to be a natural heel, just with the whole, the look. She's very much Beth Phoenix style. Like that, in great shape. It has the pretty face. Pretty similar outfit too, wasn't that kind of yeah. same? Deal a little bit, that, uh, a little bit. Yeah. Used to wear. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that was something I do. I do was gonna bring up and definitely agree on. And she definitely has um, pretty solid heel. I like to call it heel awareness. She. Um, it's not as easy as people would think to. Uh, the fact I love it when heels talk shit in the middle of matches. I love it when the referee was counting five and she let go and she yells at him, I'm off of her, I'm off of her, shut up. Like, stuff like that. Not everybody has the awareness during a match trying to remember what they're supposed to do and where they're going next to be able to do stuff like that, to talk shit to their opponent, to um, to tell the ref to shut his fucking mouth, things like that. Like, people, not everybody can do that. So I was impressed with that. Um, you are definitely correct when you say that that was not the best debut match. It was not the best. It was pretty damn fucking far from the best. Probably closer to the worst. Uh, a lot of horrifying things happened in that two minutes. But what I can say for her is all of the horrifying things that happened, it looked a lot like she's just very, very green. And she is. Um, you know, just clumsy, unsure of herself. Once I think she gets a little bit of experience, gets some confidence... Uh, gets in the groove of things, she will do much better, much better. And she's had two minutes on TV. Give her, give her something longer than that. You have to. You can't judge somebody on one match. And um, my personal, my 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 side of this, my takeaway from this weekend's, from this week's NXT was um the debut. I don't even know whether I should call them this because they were not referred to this at on the show, but uh, Shoot Nation, the tag team that went against Enzo and Cass. Now, for some background, um, they, I don't know if everybody recalls about a month, maybe two months ago, there was a wrestler named Chad Gable that was on NXT, did a job, uh, wrestled in a singlet, looked very good for how young that he was. Um, 
he has an Olympic background. He went to the Olympics in, shoot, I think 2008. Um, so Olympic background, great mat wrestler. Both Angelo Dawkins and Sultan Foyer are both very uh, successful amateur wrestlers as well. So they had all these guys all in singlets as a stable running around called Shoot Nation, which I thought was fantastic from a myriad of, of perspectives why that's great. I mean, uh, you got the legit backgrounds. You got them all sticking together. It's kind of a team angle, kind of a varsity club type deal. And um, this is just for me because I'm a big college sports guy. I'm a big college football guy. I fucking loved their theme music. The mix between the uh, college drum, drum roll with the with the really basic drum and guitar thing. Like I just thought that was awesome overall for those guys. Um, I like Fulton wearing the the Rick Steiner Memorial uh, headset. Um, all that stuff was cool. Uh, Fulton looked looked very green as well, but you know he probably is, and that's that's all right. And in a tag team, you can cover it up a little bit better. Uh, Dawkins is usually solid. I would have really liked to see them be able to show off what they're doing a little bit better, their offense, the gimmick, all that stuff. But um, they did good enough, and just just seeing them out there and seeing that they're gonna go with that when Enzo and Cass finally get moved up, it looks like to fill that hole um, really gave me a lot of lot of hope. What did you think of What did you think of them? I do enjoy WWE or NXT continuing this trend of have guys debut as cannon fodder and then give them a gimmick and debut them again. Uh, it worked for years in regular wrestling. I don't know why it stopped. Um, but uh, I, I like the idea just having guys who are shooters like that. It's always going to work. You always have something to fall back on. I mean, if you look at Kurt Angle, yeah, he wasn't much as far as pro wrestling stuff when he debuted, but you can just have him take you to the mat and suplex you once or twice, and you're going to be in awe of him because of the credentials that he has. The same is going to be true of Gable. Uh, it, not a great debut, but um, good enough. The, the the elements are there. Obviously, you're not going to do much when you're getting beaten, when you're getting squashed by a team who's looking to go after some titles. Um, but good good debut. Uh, Ed, like you said, the music was awesome, as it is most of the time in NXT. Uh, nothing's ever gonna touch uh, Blue Pants's da 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 with uh, with Big Cass singing it. Yeah, singing it, yeah. You're never gonna top that. Um, but uh, good, just obviously much like Barrett or not Barrett, um, Dana Brooke uh, still uh, needs a lot more ring time. Of course, needs some needs to be able to to polish the gimmick up and let them get some mic time too and tell them what it's all about. Uh, do you have anything that that stuck? What's what's your standout from XT this week? Uh, Rhino, um, the guy he's got uh, a legitimate history. Everybody, most people know who he is. Uh, world champion, U.S. champion in uh, he was a world champion in ECW and TNA. Um, U.S. champion in WWE. Uh, you bring him back in, he's kind of like a proxy for uh, for Sammy before he goes into the war with Owens again. Rhino isn't going to be hurt by losing a big match against Sami Zayn. You know exactly what you're getting with a guy like Rhino. He's going to throw you around. He's going to hit a gore, uh, and fans are going to go nuts for him because he's that old-school guy, and he's still young enough that he's not, like, ancient out there. Uh, it was a good move to bring people like him in because he still means something to beat because of how intense he can still come off as. Um, and having Sami beat him, it keeps you... It keeps you from having to do the same old tropes of having, like, a tag match with Sammy and Owens in it or a one-on-one -on -one match, which isn't for the title, or a contract signing or something that you that is so repetitive. It lets you bring in a guy like Rhino for a quick one-week program to give Sammy something to do before he goes after the big dog again. Yeah, I would have liked a, uh, liked a little program with him and uh, with Sammy Zayn and... the Brian Kendrick that they brought in for a week. That would be another good thing for in the middle between week... Well, you know, when we have the big showdown again with uh, Steen and, excuse me, Owens and uh, Sami Zayn. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I like like seeing Rhino around. I would have liked to see him do a, maybe one more squash match before he got with Sami Zayn and they had um, a little bit of a showdown of their own. But still very good. like the promo work leading up to it. Uh, logical way to go. Solid main event. SmackDown this week. Uh, I'm going to highlight, I just thought the... Neville Sheamus segment and match was off the charts. I mean, great, uh, tight work. Really loved the promo to start off. I, you know, it would kind of be cool if they ever let Neville talk one time, but um, 
that's fine. He does, I guess he does have kind of an odd accent. I thought he was fine by the time he left NXT, but I can see why maybe they're a little bit sheepish about it on the main roster. Um, real good work, promo work by Sheamus. Uh, just, just everything about it I thought was great. It seemed really throwback to me. Um, like the idea of giving Neville a, a DQ victory. Uh, he's kind of been losing quite a bit since he came up. I mean, I mean, I understand he's stepping up in competition, and I get, I get what they're trying to do, where they're trying to go, but he's still fucking losing a lot. So, let's. I mean, there's two ways. There's two ways to look at it. I would rather have him. I see what he's doing, but I, I would rather have him in in, in winning situations. Um, good work by both guys. Really love the segment. What do you think? This is the Mighty Mouse character that everyone was cringing over because for some reason people actually expected him to come out there like the Hurricane and shout, here I come to save the day, for whatever reason, because no one gets the idea of subtlety anymore. Uh, I mean, when you think about it, Neville has been there since the night after WrestleMania. He's wrestled uh, Seth Rollins, Dolph Ziggler, Sheamus, and Curtis Axel. The lowest level guy he's fought was an Intercontinental and Tag Team Champion. That is some heavy, heavy competition to throw a guy out there yeah. against. And he's done well. He's got I think he's got a winning record. He beat Axel twice and then Sheamus once. So he's three and two. I mean, you have a guy of that size who wrestles um who wrestles like he's a normal size. Uh, I remember uh, superstar Bill Dundee, who stands maybe five eight, five nine, yeah. said he every time he walked into the ring he thought he was six foot four. That's what, that's what I thought from the beginning, that the, the Mighty Mouse, quote-unquote Mighty Mouse gimmick was going to be about, was because Neville's fucking jacked as fuck. I figured he was just going to come out there and um, he would be able to pull off power moves. I almost expected him, you know, just because of the British thing, the English thing, I expected him to do a stall suplex like the British Bulldog and, um, you know, just stuff like that. Or the deadlifts German suplex that he was using for the last month or so he was on NXT. I was expecting to see a lot of that. Um and it still might happen, so so I totally I get I get what you're saying. Yeah, just it, he he's done very well. And going back to the uh, to the primetime players thing again, the same is true with Sheamus. I'm a big Sheamus guy. I've been a fan of his for years, but his gimmick has not until he's come back. He was the exact same guy for about two years. He's just a guy who comes out there and gets in fights, and that's that stopped being anything for a long time. Now he's out there saying, I'm doing this because I don't like small people getting this push or getting these spots. And it's something. It's not anything mind-blowing. Oh, it's nothing I, to... I have since day one. He started cutting those promos and got that music. And I was, I've been in love with this, this development with Seamus. I mean, he's straight old-school prototypical bully, uh... There's everything about what motivates him, where he's going, is is just uh, fantastic to me, totally logical. Um, and then you know it was funny because everyone's like, "Oh, he looks like shit," and the crowd's chanting, "You look stupid." He does look stupid. What the fuck do you think a guy with a red fucking mohawk is supposed to fucking be trying to look like other than fucking stupid? Hello, he's a fucking heel. Like he wants to look like a fucking knob, because. That's somebody who's easy to hate. Someone who comes out there who's bigger than you, who acts like a fucking jerk and beats people up and looks like a dumbass at the, to, to boot, who thinks he's all hard. That's like the ultimate bully fucking heel psychology there. That's that's, that's everything that you would cast into a character like that. So there's uh, I, I, people just, just wanted to react negatively just for the sake of not reacting negatively without thinking of it, I think, when this whole thing started with him. And again, it's going back to, like you said, character development will do wonders for you. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to go ahead and move on to the second half of the podcast. Uh, while we're sitting here um, in our transition time, you want to go ahead and throw out go ahead and throw out your website, KB, and uh, your Twitter handle for everybody. Uh, it's pretty simple. It is KBWrestlingReviews.com. Uh, Twitter is KB Reviews. Uh, the Twitter, it's not much. It's really just links to what I've posted recently. Um, actually, that's all it is. I respond to everybody who sends me anything on there, but I'm not much of a tweeter. Um, I have almost every day there will be something new up. It can range anywhere from last night I did two Raws from 2003. Uh, I was starting on an indie company out of Los Angeles with Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Uh, you've got... Um, Next up, I'm doing a TNA DVD, uh, Best of the X Division. 
just there's all it's all over the place. I've done like I said, I've done shows from the 1950s back when Bruno was wasn't even world champion yet. Uh, shows with Bruno was champion. Um, 70s, all points in between. I've done every uh, pay per view ever, literally, uh, unless you count the TNA weekly pay per views, which I'm working on. Uh, there is a little bit of everything. There's columns. There's just there. There is no such thing as running out of material for me. I will find something to review. Um, that's probably a little bit longer winded than you wanted me to go there, but um, it's, it's all right. It's all right. We'll shave down at the end. Um, so you guys hit up uh, KB's website. Hit up KB's Twitter. Ask him anything you want. Um, get into the get into the website. See all of his awesome reviews. He's written literally books um, and published them. Got them rolling. Um, my Twitter is at M NorCal, all capitals. That's at M N O R C A L. Uh, just had to change that this morning and get a little more simplified since we're starting up this this beautiful podcast thing. Um, I'm gonna move into the second half here and ask a little bit about about uh, your specialty, about your your books and and, and what you got going on. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to tell this story or get the story out there and have you be able to tell it because you're basically living the dream uh as far as i i'm i'm considered and i think a lot of people will be too if they look at it from the right perspective i mean if you guys think about it just think about this for a second the man gets paid to watch wrestling that i mean i don't know how much more of a i can think of a few more dream scenarios and i can also think of a lot of worse scenarios from personal experience this man however gets to pay gets paid to watch wrestling so, um, first, I want to ask you, you were on our forum, uh, you weren't really doing the reviews, you were just a regular poster for a while, um, right. do you remember what cemented you sticking around the forum as a moderator? Do you remember yes, I, yeah. as a moderator, I believe it had something to do with you and threats of my head being kicked in. Something of the sort, uh, I was a moderator at the time. We had offered KB a moderator spot uh, uh, repeatedly, and I believe the, the administrator at the time said, you know, he just keeps turning it down for this, that, and the other reason. And in person, or uh, behind, you know, out in the open, in the forum, I told you I was going to, you know, whatever, I was going to remove your head from your shoulders or stomp your throat or something like that if you didn't take it. And I told everybody in the moderator part of the forum uh i was like i'm going to threaten to ban him and i'm going to do it if he doesn't take this damn job and um that came out and i said i'll fucking ban you from here right now if you don't become a moderator and through hooker by crook over a couple more threats you ended up becoming a moderator yep. then you ended up sticking around the forum for quite a while to be somewhat of a prominent poster uh you know i'd say number one in posts and number one in reputation and number one in basically fucking everything um yep. I would say you've come a wise since I had to threaten you to stick around. Um, how did you start getting into doing the reviews? Well, uh, one thing first. I don't think we've actually said the name of the forum yet, so a lot of people might have no idea what we're talking about there. It is the WrestleZone.com forums, which is forums.wrestlezone.com. Uh, we're independent from WrestleZone.com, so if you've heard of them and not a fan of them, it is completely different. We're our own separate entity. Uh, I run them. I've been the administrator there for... Going on, I think, five years now, five or six years. Um, NorCal was on staff for a long time. Uh, it is excellent stuff. There's a little bit of everything for everyone. Uh, we have our own e-fed. We have everything there. There is not, You will find something you will enjoy doing there. Uh, as far as the reviews go, um, I was writing my own e-fed at the time, OCW. Uh, some of you might remember that. Uh, I believe NorCal was a part of that as well. And... Um, then uh, it was coming up on the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania, WrestleMania 25, which... To clarify, to clarify, I was a character on OCW. I didn't write Nefed because I have a fucking life. Anyways, go ahead. Yeah, see, I wrote, my, I wrote every character everywhere every time, so I had even less of a life than most people do. But, uh, so then the, WrestleMania 25 was coming up, and I thought I wanted... To, it was such a, an important year for the show, even though the show wound up being awful that year. Uh, what I... Went back and watched every WrestleMania ever and broke each one down uh, match by match and segment by segment and gave my overall thoughts on it. And uh, it turned out they were kind of a big hit. So then WrestleMania came up 
and uh, I'm like, well, I might as well do SummerSlam too. And over the summer, I also threw in In Your House, and uh, it turned it, it, it turned into basically an excuse to watch a lot of wrestling. Um, and then uh, someone on the forum said, "You'll never." I mentioned wanting to do all the pay per views ever, and someone on the forum said I'd never be able to do it. Which uh, that's the last thing that is ever a good idea to say to me because I will. I am patient enough to sit down and do them, and it took five years, but uh, I've reviewed every pay-per-view ever from ECW, TNA, WWE, WCW, a uh, bunch more outside of that, and it just snowballed from there, and then in December of 2010, I started up a website and started posting them on there, and it's it's uh, how I pay my bills now. How did you, uh, how did you get contacted for... Uh... Like, how did that whole process work from, like, okay, I just post these on a forum, I'm enjoying myself, and then you just turned into a, uh, to getting paid for it or being employed by somebody to do it? What, what was, uh, what happened there? Basically, I, uh, I, um, I just thought one day I needed a place to put these because they're kind of taking a life of their own, and when you have, like, hundreds of them just from the big four pay-per-views alone, you kind of, kind of run out of room, because then I started doing the weekly TV shows, too, and, you know, you have 50 of those a year just from Raw. So, started up the website, and then uh, a guy on there got in touch with me about setting up some advertising on there, and it uh, started making some cash off that, and then started figuring maybe if I put these things together, somebody might buy one of them, and started selling ebooks of them, uh, and they've that's my income now. So it, I put a new one out every other month. Um, the latest one is only on pay per view, 1998, which is comparing uh, the pay-per-views from WWF and WCW in 98 because uh, no one ever talks about the war on Sunday night. It's always the Monday night wars. That's interesting. Very interesting. So we've yeah. grown from, from just straight reviews to now you're, you're you know, doing editorial uh, yeah. you know, commentary yeah. on, on said, said pay-per-views or shows or anything right. like that. Right. It, it's a lot more analysis-based than just, like, play-by-play -play because, I mean, it, it's going to get really boring sitting there reading... Ziggler hits a clothesline. Yes, Neville comes it back fucking to the kick. does. Jesus, I don't know why people do shit like that, but you know, it's I mean, it, fucking terrible. So thank you. I throw some of it in there just to keep what's going, but like, my thinking is, okay, if let's say that same example, Ziggler hits a clothesline for two, Neville gets up, kicks him in the head, gets two of his own. Do you lose anything of the match if you don't get that forty-second sequence? You get the idea of the match. You get that Neville's flying around and Ziggler is one step ahead of him with his experience and all that jazz. It's the same match. You don't need every single detail because if I did, which is what I did when I started these things, the reviews are like 15 pages for a two-hour show. Yeah. And that's nuts. No one is going to sit there and read all that, so you have to condense them down. And um, it, it's much more based on the analysis of it, looking at the trends that are going on over time breaking down like this is working this isn't working stuff like the Seamus uh, the Seamus evolution where he's now just a big bully uh, not as good as big bully Bushwick but still he's getting there that's a high standard for anyone to live up to I mean he popped kids balloons but anyway uh, you have um, it, it's just, it, it's all it's mainly analysis of it I try I've been trying to do more just my take on the news recently I do a weekly column every Wednesday just uh, just on something that catches my attention. It's uh, the site's growing very well. I'm pleased with the numbers on it. Of course, you never have to grow high enough. Um, but it's that is what I do. It is uh, it's just like you said. I watch wrestling for a living, and for some reason, people like hearing my opinions about it. Very blessed. Very blessed. Awesome. Uh, so, I guess the big question is to uh, send us on out, go home. Is um what? Are the best shows that you have ever seen? If somebody, you know, WWE Network or maybe even not, um, wanted to take, you know, KB's seen fifty thousand matches. He's reviewed a bajillion million shows. Um, what are the best shows that you've ever seen? Well, the easy answer to that would be like WrestleMania seventeen, ah. SummerSlam two thousand two. That's too easy. It just is. Those are shows that everybody has seen. Everybody knows they're awesome. You know, there's no point in talking about those. So I'm going to go with one that you might not have heard of. Now, I know you have, because this is one of your old old favorites. We're going to go back to the Saddle Dome in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, for In Your House 16 Canadian Stampede. Now, this is a four-match show on uh, running about two hours. It um, 
you've got Undertaker throwing Vader around. For those of you who don't remember Vader, um, pretty much imagine Mark Henry, but a little bit bigger and more intense. Just uh, Undertaker throws well, him around. Ten to... times more agile. I mean, oh, yeah. do a, a backflip. If, if a certain friend of mine was on here right now, he'd remind you of that fucking backflip because he can't fucking not say the same goddamn things over and over and over. And in case you didn't know, Vader can do a fucking backflip. Just And, and land on his feet. Land on his feet. Fucking backflip. Vader, 400 pounds, does a backflip, just so you fucking know. Anyway, yeah, uh, that one's for you, I see. Um, the, uh, the, you have that, but the, the main cr- crux of that show is a 10-man tag, and pretty much the blow-off of the border war, which lit WWF on fire and let them get back into the Monday Night Wars. You have Austin and any four warm bodies that he could find, because the, the partners meant nothing that night. Well, they, they they did very well, but it was a weird mix. I can tell you, Shamrock made sense. Shamrock made sense. He's a Northern California guy. Um, you know, I guess patriotic enough. Uh, I would have a problem with people talking shit about the USA enough. Um, LOD sort of made sense, because they, they kept, were, they, you know, they're American originals and whatever. I still don't know what that... I guess that was the only reason they kept calling them American Originals in 97. That yeah, was their yeah, that was their tagline then. Yeah. It never made sense otherwise. Uh, and then what was the last one? Goldust, I believe? Yep, it was Goldust, yep. And, but that match is all about the Hart's grand homecoming into Calgary where they were the most beloved men that ever set foot there. Well, and, and that's um, what a lot of people won't know is that that's the building... When Stu Hart, the Hart uh, patriarch who had it, ran his own territory up in Calgary for a long time, that's where they would have their version of WrestleMania. Their big show every year was in the Calgary Saddle Dome. And so you have Stu Hart having that. That is Stampede territory. That is their building. Like the WWE Madison Square Garden is their building. The Saddle Dome is their building. Calgary, Stampede, Stu Hart, the Hart family. And each one of those guys on that team. Owen Hart, Bret Hart, British Bulldog, Brian Pillman, um, they all, Jim Neidhart, they all were big stampede stars back in the day, back in the late 70s and early 80s. Um, so then, you you know, you're full circle, and the whole, and the, not only that, but the fucking angle is Canada versus America that's been going on for the whole summer, like, god damn, it was such a hot crowd, it was, it's the biggest fucking popular ever here during their entrances, the match is wild as fuck. Fuck, it's just insane. Uh, just a you great can... show. Every show on there hit. It was a hot crowd the whole night. Um, there was a can... kind of a humorous, kind of a really entertaining angle between Triple H and Mankind where they literally fought throughout the entire show. Like, between matches, they would cut a camera to the backstage or the parking lot, and Triple H and Mankind would still be fighting. It was just, it was a fantastic, fantastic show. You got another one for me? Uh, yeah, as far as other great shows, another one that you uh, that you might not remember that well, it's one of WCW's last great shows. It is sold out 1998. Um, it's coming off, um, it's the first pay-per-view after the debacle at Starcade 97, where they somehow lost a two-year lead in one night because of how stupid they were. Yeah. But um, 1998 sold out. You have a main event of Bret Hart versus Ric Flair in a straight wrestling match. Well, I say main event. It didn't go on last because Hogan had to go on last in a nothing match where he just does a run-in. But you have Bret Hart versus Ric Flair in Bret's first big match, which is just about, I'm better than you. No, I'm better than you. Let's have a match and find so out. So did they book sold out that way? It was, just, it was kind of more of a straightaway, just a show. It wasn't like the whole... NWO right. theme. It was just kind of a see. That's probably why I don't remember it because I don't think I watched it because I was like, it's yeah. the fucking NWO all NWO gimmick. Like, first of all, that gimmick's fucking stupid because how the fuck could a heel faction lose any fucking match at their own goddamn show? Fuck WCW, you're so stupid. And so I never watched another one after the first one. So that's probably why I haven't seen it, and I'll have to check that out. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, the other the the other one though that people the best match on that card is. For months, you had the Invisible Man, known as uh, who was back then known as Chris Benoit, marching through the flock to fight Raven. Wow! Yeah. For, All right. They that blow off match was scheduled for Starcade, but Raven had an appendicitis, so they had to put Saturn back in there. Of course, WCW being WCW, they don't mention this until the day of the show, <laughs> uh, knowing two weeks in advance that he wasn't cleared. 
uh, and you just have Benoit and Raven. I won't spoil the ending for you, but the ending is one of the creepiest, most disturbing visuals that well, you will ever I mean, see. Anything. Benoit and Raven, say no more. Like I, I haven't oh, yeah. really been able to find any a whole lot of matches with him in there, and especially back in the day when it used to be Raven's rules, and you'd get seventy-three people interfering, and you know the lone hero fighting against them. That's I love me some some Flock Raven from back in those days. He never really. Oh, yeah went to places that he should have gone just because of the climate of the company, but well, this, I'll, be, this, I'll definitely be happy to check that out. This is the best Raven match in WCW, maybe his best match ever. All right, all right. Yeah. Very, very worth checking out. Everybody remember that. Sold out 1998. Go hit up go hit up your network and go check it out right now. I think that's probably that'll probably be the first show I check out after I get done going through the, uh, the WCW anthology that I'm rolling through right, right now. I only got, I think, like, fuck, seven more shows to go. That sounds like an eternity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, we pretty much hit the end of the line here. I think we got some pretty solid time on this. Um, I want to thank you a ton for being the first guest on here and helping me. Uh, you know, we all kind of had a hand in the development of this whole thing, and hopefully, it does well. And this was pretty cool, man. Uh, well, it was an honor, sir. Doing it again, anytime. Um, uh, so anything, anything, any last thoughts before we go? Um, well, for one thing. We did open the show by giving Divas a chance, which I don't know if that's a thing anymore, but when your first topic is the Divas, that's clearly giving them a chance. Uh, they don't have any faces for us to push, and I've had this joke in my head for the last hour and a half. So Yeah, we fucked that up. We spent way too much time on the Divas and Stark. Go ahead, anyways. Joe, um, I'm ready for it. I'm so fucking ready. My body is ready. And other than that, this show was not in one bit laborious. Not in one bit. Hope Not for us. Hopefully not for the listeners either. That's true. All right, my man. Uh, thank you very much, and uh, we will be back in a few weeks with KB again. Once again, that's KB's Wrestling Reviews. Hit that up. Hit both of us up on Twitter. Um, we'll open it up to, uh, you know, suggestions to the to the listening crowd, uh, what you guys want to hear us talk about in the future, um, any particular thing that's going on. Um, just bump me up on Twitter and tell me, you know, you want to hear our opinion on it or my opinion on it if KB's not here around that week, and we will hit it up. Uh, thanks everybody for listening and I uh, hope everybody enjoyed themselves. So 